Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I hope you're well. I hope you're well. I hope you're hanging in there. It's been kind of kind of nice here in L.A. the last few days. It's chilly. I like it chilly. I'm wearing my overcoat in the studio. I just got this overcoat back. It's an old overcoat. I needed new buttons and a new lining, and I got them, and I rarely get to wear it. So right now, I'm in the studio with my overcoat on. It's very exciting. It's like a blanket. Uh, I don't know where you are if you're in the middle of that Arctic blast. Uh, I hope you're okay. Don't drive if it's black ice. Black ice is very scary. I don't know if there's black ice out there, but that's real. I never really knew what it was until I came across it. You know, it seems crazy, right? Black ice. What does that even mean? It means it's ice that looks like the road and your tires have no traction at all. I've driven in all kinds of weather. That's one thing I've got above a lot of people out here. People out in LA, you know, they don't, things slow down. A lot of traffic is just because people are idiots and don't really know how to drive in a little bit of rain. Also, there's a, a problem with the uh, lines on the roads. I don't think that LA ever prepared for any weather. As soon as the roads get wet, you cannot see lanes at all. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Really, it's just coming out of the fact that I hope you're all right. I hope you're all right. I hope you're all right. I, uh, for those of you keeping up, uh, and I know sometimes I forget to do this is that I talk about something on the last show and then I kind of leave you hanging. And it doesn't come back around. Uh, I will. I will tell you what's up. But let me. Let me first tell you that Dave Franco is on the show. Uh, you know him from Scrubs, Twenty One Jump Street. Now you see me, Neighbors, The Disaster Artist, and The After Party. Actor, brother of an actor. He's married to my Glow co-star Allison Brie, and he just directed his second feature, which is a romantic comedy he wrote with Allison called Somebody I Used to Know. And it's a pretty clever romantic comedy. I didn't really realize until after I talked to him just how many romantic comedies are kind of a, a little a, a little dark in a way in, in terms of characters, in terms of intentions. And I, I don't think I ever really thought about it till near the end of this conversation. But uh, had a lovely chat with Mr. Franco, who I've seen and met a few times because, uh, again, he's married to Alison Brie. 
who was my co-star for years. Three, to be exact, on GLOW. Okay, getting into it, I was talking about my health, my tests, and my new diet post, uh, post the cleanse. And I told you I was moving towards a blood test that I had two days ago or on the 31st. And I got the results fairly quickly. And I just want to say, now, I'm on a statin. And my concern was uh, cholesterol, really, because I have borderline cholesterol, which I assume was genetic. And I'm on a statin, 10 milligrams a day. Now, on September 7th, 2022, I had blood tests where I was told that, um, that I had borderline, if not a little high cholesterol and maybe a little pre-diabetic. That was uh, September 7th. Now, I don't know what's transpired. I'm still on the statin, but I, a week, I did a week without any meat of any kind, any dairy or anything. Just a plant-based diet for the week leading up to the blood test. Now, I, I still take the statins, and I started taking some uh, red yeast rice, which I, I don't think works. But nonetheless, doesn't matter. And I exercise compulsively. So this is... Four months later or so, my my numbers on September 7th, my LDL was 129. That's high. Not good. That's the bad cholesterol. My good cholesterol, my HDL on September 7th, 2022, was 89. High. But that's okay. It's good. And my non-HDL, the total, uh, which is just the numbers, um including the LDL, I think, is 138. That's on September 7th, 2022. Not great. The other day, my LDL, 80. 80? Are you fucking kidding me? It's never been 80. 80 down from 129. Now, granted, I take a small amount of statin, but that's not just the statin. had to be the diet. My HDL was 84. Again, high, but that's okay. I asked why it's high. The doc said it should probably just exercise. And the non-HDL was 93. So those numbers, spectacular, inspiring. And my glucose was good. Fine. Everything's fine. Uh, it's exciting. And my pulse is like 52. And the doc, they were like, uh, the nurse was like, you know, you got to, oddly, the nurse was uh, my drummer, Ned Brower. <laughs> He's a nurse. Um said, your pulse is low. And I'm like, that's because I go up a goddamn hill three times a week. Like, I think doing massive incline cardio is, it's good. So I've got a marathon runner's pulse. I think that's good, right? It's a little scary sometimes. I'm like, that seems slow, 52 to 55, but whatever. So that's the deal. There you go. Very exciting numbers. Now I just got to Stop smoking the fucking cigars again. Got off the nicotine all over again. I'll be perfect. That's all we're trying to be, right, people? That's all any of us are are, are trying to get to is perfection, complete perfection. And you know, I'm I'm 59 years old. And it feels like I'm I'm finally going to achieve perfection. No, just stay in shape. Take care of yourself. But uh, but that's what happened. That's a pretty good end to that story. Okay, listen, I'm going to talk uh, about something serious and something important and, uh, and something that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Now, I've talked a lot about this idea in America, 
uh, culturally, comedically, that there there's this notion among certain tribes of comedians that you can't say anything anymore. You can't, you, you're not allowed, there's censorship. You can't say things. Now, what I've always said is that you can say whatever you want. And I do not think, I just did an interview with a guy for Variety. I, he asked me, do I think there's anything you can't joke about? No. You can, if you can figure it out, tell jokes about whatever you want. And, and the truth is you can say whatever you want. It just, there may be consequences. There may be cultural consequences. You may get pushback. There may be democratically motivated groups of people that push back through uh, action because you've insulted a way of life or, or decisions that people make collectively in a group of people, marginalized people. And that's, that's the way democracy works. There, you can say whatever you want. There may be consequences and you have to decide, you know, whether you're going to shoulder those consequences. I mean, I did it with my, this, this special coming out in, uh, in a couple of weeks, February 11th, my HBO special from bleak to dark premieres on HBO. There's things I said there that I knew, uh, were calculated risk. I knew that saying some of the stuff I said on there, though funny, was going to make some people angry. You know, I'm a comic and, and I've been one for a long time and I've never been one not to take chances. So however, they want to frame me, uh, the few that do, as, as being woke or whatever, whatever. The truth is I've said things that I knew were going to cause some people to be angry. And that there may be pushback. I made that decision and I was willing to take that risk because that's what we can do here. That's what it really means. There is freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. There just may be consequences and you have to decide whether you can handle those or whether they're necessary and what is your intention. A lot of questions. But all that aside, there's something going on in Iran Okay, their, their anti-government protests have been going on there since September. Tens of thousands of protesters have been arrested and tortured, and hundreds of them have been killed. I, I'm sure you've seen some of this in the news or, or wherever you get your information. But despite this, or maybe because of it, as is usually the case, because of the nature of of comedy, there is still a stand-up comedy scene in Iran. It's small, but it exists. And one of the comics on the scene there in Iran is Zainib Musavi. Now, here's the deal about Zainib. She was the winner of a comedy competition on state TV in Iran, so that got her known throughout the country. And then she started up a weekly stand-up show in, in West Tehran. She gained a reputation for, for, you know, doing what some of us do, taking shots at the government, taking shots at fundamentalists. I do both of those things. And she was already getting, just from doing, right at the beginning, right after doing that, she was getting violent threats well before last September, before the protests started. And when the protests started, she began posting a lot on Instagram with, uh, with jokes and sketches about the government, about the state police. So, on October 13th, she was arrested. Okay? She spent a month in solitary confinement, after which she was 
released on bail. Now that, that is what it looks like when you can't say anything, when you do not have a a constitution that enables you the ability to say what you want and the government steps in and puts you in jail. That's what it looks like in a country where you literally can't say some things because you will be imprisoned. Not because you've aggravated a community of people that barely have a voice in the culture or you've made fun of people for shortcomings that are the, the struggle of their life and you say that, well, they need to get a better sense of humor about it. I mean, come on. Different. Different than pushback. Different than cultural consequences. This woman was put in jail. Now, since then, Zeynep learned that she's been sentenced to an additional two years in prison, although she has not been given a court date and there's no word on when her sentence will begin. This is a country where you can't say things, yet she still did. And she continues to make jokes. She has a new Instagram page set up at I am dot Z-I-Z underscore M-O-U. That's where she's got the new Instagram set up. And she's still posting there regularly. She doesn't want to go back to jail, but she doesn't want to be silenced either. That is cojones. That is courage. That is truly, you know, fighting the power, fighting authoritarianism, fighting a government that may kill her for telling jokes about said government. Now, we found out about uh, about Zainab from an Iranian-American comic named Sarah Fatimi, and uh, we asked Sarah how we can help, and the answer is, frankly, by talking about it. You can't send money to Iran because of sanctions, and there aren't any outside aid groups that are going to stop the jailings and executions. The only way to potentially stop it is by talking about it loudly and frequently. This is a situation where social media is actually important. If you keep Zeynep Musavi's name out there, it becomes more likely the government will not want the hassle of going through with her sentence. In the 80s, they mass executed thousands of protesters and there was no real attention on it because it was the 80s and there was no social media. But now we can keep attention on them. So on whatever social media you use, hashtag the name Zeynab Musavi. That's Z-E-I-N-A-B-M-O-U-S-A-V-I. Along with a message of support, that will help. We'll post her name on our socials, along with some other entertainers who are arrested for performing and are under the threat of execution. So, look, whatever you can do to boost awareness about them, is, is, it's helpful. Could be life-saving. And if you think it doesn't help, it does. And it has. There have already been prisoners who were released because their cases were publicized on social media. For all those times you wondered whether it was worth it to have a Twitter account or an Instagram page, this is when it's actually worth it. So I want to thank Sarah Fatimi for bringing this to our attention. Thanks to you uh, for listening and, uh, and, and thanks for taking action. It's just like you hear these whiny hacks 
in this country talking about the struggle that they're facing because they can't make fun of marginalized groups or people struggling or people making choices that they think are are silly or stupid or wrong. They can't make fun of those people with impunity. So they whine like they're the victims. You know, it's child's play compared to what's going on in Iran, compared to what Zainab Mousavi is up against. Child's play. All right, so I know that was serious, but now let's shift gears um, and talk to uh, Dave Franco. His movie, Somebody I Used to Know, comes out next Friday, February 10th on Prime Video. I enjoyed it. Allison is in it. There's a lot of uh, uh, funny people in it and some people some people I didn't know. All, it was very well acted and uh, clever, uh, clever story. And uh, this is me and Dave uh, doing the thing. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. So you said Allison cooks a lot? Allison is a great cook. We we learned during the pandemic that I physically would not survive without her because she was just providing all the food for us. I am I am incompetent when it comes to that. <laughs> but has she got like I mean she has to eat pretty specifically to maintain her like zero or her point zero zero one body fat. She's in incredible shape. Yeah, she <laughs> she's got her go to. She's got the the turkey eggplants and it's a lot of bowls. A lot of you got your protein. You oh got yeah, your grain. is that how she does it? Yeah. I just remember when we were doing glow, it was mostly almonds. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, is that all she's eating? We, is anyone checking on Allison if she's eating more than al- almonds? We are a big almond household, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's lean as fuck. Yeah, she's in great shape. She could kick my ass. I mean, I work with this trainer, like who, uh, whose I guess uh, husband also works down at the gym where Allison. Works oh, really? Out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and she's always like, Allison's so strong. I'm like, I know, I know. Isn't it incredible? She yeah. puts up these videos where she's doing like 10 pull-ups. I was just, I'm just like, where did this come from? What's going on? It's been going on for a while, buddy. I know. Because <laughs> I'm in denial just because I know she's in so much what? better shape than me. <laughs> you don't do anything? No, I do some stuff at home. Yeah? Yeah. I get a little intimidated going yeah. to like a real gym with a bunch of people kind of watching and whatnot. <laughs> Especially that gym. It sounds like everyone's there. It's insane. Just I've never been over there, but I've worked with two trainers who are the wives of people that... 
uh, that train there. Sure, so sure, that the sure. trainers at that gym, because Allison set me up with them. Oh, cool. So I work out with their wives. So I get, you know, it's not crazy. It could be. I'm mm. sure they could do it. What are your goals? What do you What do you really want to get at this point? Uh, not to be obsessed. Not to be obsessed with it. Oh, with and, it. Okay. Yeah, and to uh, you know just stay kind of like in shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, it's weird. You get to like, when you start doing it and if you get to a certain point where you see results, you're like, let's push it, man. I know. When it, where's the, uh, the creatine? Are you, you mean, give are me you some roids. Totally. I want some HGH. <laughs> I need to get big. I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, no. No. I just, I'd like to be relatively toned and, and lean. Yeah. And I do a lot of cardio. You look hike great, around. man. Well, you thanks, fantastic. buddy. fantastic. I'm 59. Holy shit. I know. I, 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 I. I look at your age and I look at out. I feel like everyone just stopped aging and that all of a sudden I'm old. I disagree. Oh. I think you look fucking great. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, I, I mean, mean it. I, I don't think I look bad, but like I all of a sudden, like when I hit this certain age and I look at other people's ages, I'm like, I always thought they were like closer to me age wise, <laughs> but they're not. But there's certain people who, who really kind of grow into a nice thing and you're, you're on that path, man. Thank fucking God. <laughs> so I, uh, Watched it. I watched a new movie. Oh, cool! Couple questions mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Romantic comedy. Yes. Now, is this a? Is were you thinking like, I, uh, I? This is a business deal. What do you mean by that? I mean it's a tough genre. Sure. To to make really work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's it's. I don't feel like it's done as much as it used to be. It just seems yeah. hard. Yeah. To pull it off, and I think you did a good job. Thanks, man. But I mean. The last movie you did was like a horror movie, yes, right? Yes, yes. So these are very specific genre movies. Yeah, I, they're two genres that I love. Really? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, with the first one, I I absolutely love the horror rental? movies. Yes. Um, and I I think like for a for a first time director, there's something about horror that allows you to really put your stamp on it because you can just kind of do a lot of fun things stylistically and like in horror movies the stakes are never higher and so you I, I just feel like you can push the limits in a lot and of you different got, ways and you got some wiggle room because you can just be weird totally <laughs> <laughs> like you, you don't have to you know, the, you know the, the whole you can you know that in order to even take the movie in people are going to suspend their disbelief yeah a little bit yeah so you don't have to because I just watched um, you know John Swab he's I don't a know. director out of Oklahoma what has he done he did the body brokers thing about the drug rehabilitation I don't racket. Know this. He's got a new slasher movie called Candyland. You know those movies when you watch the old ones, the actors can o- only half act, and you can, <laughs> and it's got such a grime to it. You kind of think like, could they really be these people? Y- you know. But he's using like you know real actors, so yeah. there's and there's a cleanness to it. Yes, but yes. still the same amount of blood and weirdness. Yeah, that's like like when you watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Exactly. It's like oh, this could be a documentary. Exactly. It's so gritty. Those and are the raw people. And yes. Yeah. Those weirdos are yep. really weirdos. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you and your brother made a whole movie about a weirdo. <laughs> All right, well, let's wait. Let's before we talk about the movies. Like, I want to because I I talked to you know James years ago, mm-hmm. but I mean, you guys grew up in basically what was it like a, a hippie house? Um, I wouldn't go that far, but like definitely. Where uh, were you? We're uh, Palo Alto. And so close to Bay Area. Bay Area, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, and like our our whole family is is weird and artsy for sure. Right. Where my my parents they were both painting majors in college. Uh, and that's where they met. That's where they met. Like what college? Uh, Stanford. So that's high end. Yeah. That's like I mean they were serious painters. Definitely. You got, what, what kind of. Uh, 
were, were abstract figures. Yeah, a little bit. Both little of bit. them abstract? Um, th- some figure stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they they both went away from that. My mom became a writer, and she's she's kind of incredible. Like she still around. Oh yeah. Okay. She she takes on new endeavors like every year where I remember when when I started to get serious about acting and my brother had been doing it for a while, she wanted to like find a way to relate to us. And so she started taking drama classes at Stanford and she, relate to you as grown-ups? I guess so. Yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah. Um but she I remember she got so into it that like she was doing this play at one point where she was this like really despicable character and I remember her calling me one night and she was like, Dave, I'm freaking out. I don't know how to get rid of the part. It's in me now. And it's just like it shows how much she put herself into it. It's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she got lost in the method. Definitely. Did uh, she uh, did she come out of it or is she still that person? So she actually uh she came out of it, but she she just this year she wrote a screenplay and they they made it into a movie. Who did? My mom. The the two of them? Uh, or just, I mean, your mom just, um, is your dad still around? My dad's not around. I'm sorry. That's okay. But, but I mean, uh, who, who they, she just produced it? She. A she, feature film? A <laughs> feature film. She, um, so she wrote the book and then adapted her own book into the screenplay. Yeah. And they just made it independently and. Had nothing to do with you and your brother? My brother's a producer on it. Okay. But, but like, she really pushed this thing. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> who, who acted in it? Um, uh, did, I don't know if Did you any, audition? I, I did audition. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know if there's anyone you would know, uh, but it's, it's, it's incredible. Like, at this age, she's still doing these. <laughs> What's that called? That is called The Art of Love. Ah, yeah, and it's a uh, what's the, what's the story? What's crazy is my mom is like this very like gentle, wonderful, amazing woman, and she writes these stories like about you know this is about these these teens living on the street and doing drugs and shit. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I remember like she 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 wrote a book. She writes a lot of like teen books, and she wrote this one book that she wanted me young adult. Wrote. Yes, exactly. And she publishes. Uh, she does not herself, but you, you mean do her bushes, do yeah, her books. books get published? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her What's her name? What does she write under? Her name is Betsy Franco, and that's what she writes under. Yeah. Wow. So she's like a, a popular ad, young adult she's, book writer. She's doing her thing. Yeah. Always has been. Kind of always has been. She was she was originally doing even younger for for younger children, and it's kind of evolved. But yeah. like there was this one book for young adults that uh, she wanted me and my brother to do the audio book for, and I remember sitting there and I'm like reading this book out loud. Yeah, she's talking about kids getting blowjobs and all this shit. And I'm just like, this is this is Mom. interesting. <laughs> uh, but she's she's super inspiring. What's, and like, what's the movie? So where's the movie? Where can you get the movie? It's not out yet. They like are in the editing process as we speak. And she directed it? She did not. No. Oh. No. There's a really, really young kid that she um she worked with actually like she met him at our high school. She she's always worked with teens and so she still goes back to our high school. You and... you went to high school with your mother teaching there? No. Okay. No. Um she taught actually in the area, but no, she did not teach at my high school. Right. Um, but she goes back and like works with teens and she's really good with them. And so she met this one kid who just went on to uh go to NYU and they they paired up and they did this movie together. That's crazy. So you're going to be competing with your mother's movie. I guess so. But I <laughs> she's not going to come over here in a in a limo. <laughs> I did not show up in a limo. <laughs> it was a truck. It's a truck a of some sort. <laughs> who's like? Who's the deal with this movie? Who's putting out this movie? They don't. Your movie. My movie. Amazon. Oh, so that's an Amazon car. That's the Amazon car. <laughs> yes, I'm going around doing the whole press thing today. <laughs> Are you dropping packages off too? Sure. Yeah, if they want me to. 
Did you do TV or did you dress up for this? Uh, I, I've been doing some TV stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you end up doing? Uh, did the Rich Eisen show. I don't uh, know what kind that of is. a sports show. Oh, really? Uh, Are you a sports guy? I like sports. Really? Yeah. Like across the board or specific? Um, I like uh, football and basketball a lot. Okay. Yeah, team so you did that guy? Yeah. That guy's show. That what guy. else? You um, doing? What did we do? We did a, I did a GQ couples quiz with Allison this morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's just kind of- It's weird. I've done quiz shows with Allison. Have you? <laughs> yeah. What kind of quiz shows? Well, I don't know. Just for like, uh, I, I, well, we must have been promoting Glow, but yeah. I remember they'd ask us, I, it was some goofy thing. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. a couple things. Don't get weird. Uh, that, that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> 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 season though we would have been i know damn I it know, i know yeah we were, we were all rooting for you it's gonna happen i know um so all right so going back though because your brother's the other brother mm -hmm. he's in the arts as well yeah he he's mainly uh sculpture and, and a little bit of painting oh really yeah and that so he makes like big sculptures yeah he makes all sizes and it's a lot of like uh found art he, he, what's that guy's name his name's tom franco he, look at you guys at your basic ass names. I know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of classic. You call them basic. I call them classic. James, Dave, and Tom. <laughs> That's crazy. Like a joke. <laughs> but uh, it's good. It's it's tight. It you know it's memorable. Thank you. The Franco boys. There you go. But uh, so he does sculptures. Yeah, yeah. Really, really incredible stuff. It's like. Um, it's it's honestly hard to describe. They're very abstract. It's it's all these these found pieces of arts that uh, that he puts together in these weird kind of yeah. Tim Burton esque sculptures. And that's a tough living. Sure. Yeah. He he um, he finds a way though because he, he does definitely sell his art, but he he does a lot of things. He like starts these kind of artist communes all yeah. over the place where you know artists have a place to live and a place to show their work. Yeah. And it's just like a nice place for them all to kind of feed off each other's energy too. It's it, it's kind of wild that all you guys are like this communal artist people. I know it's it's the type of thing like at Thanksgiving. Didn't you know, didn't James fucking go back to graduate school or oh something? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're covering all bases, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you did you go to did you study it? What was this your intention? Are you the middle kid? I'm the youngest. Oh yeah. Well, that's rough. It's okay. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is? they're they're old enough. You know, they're five and seven years older than me, which is a oh, that's a lot enough of a distance that like by the time I came around, my parents were just tired and they let me do my thing. Right, but tired, but also like they were kind of on their way. Like when you were in high school, those guys were kind of on their way. Yeah. yeah gone. Yeah, yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And you were just what you were. What were you thinking you were going to do before you decided to? Um, maybe writing of some sort. I yeah. always like creative writing. Um, Do you still? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, we wrote this movie. Me and Allison wrote this movie together. Uh, you know, I started, I started writing um, by doing this independent study class in high school, yeah. where I, I, it was just me and this one teacher, and basically I would go off and write poetry for the week, and huh. we would meet up at lunch and and go over the poetry I wrote. And I remember at the time, all my friends were like. Wait a minute! You're you're skipping lunch to meet up with Mr. Schollenberg to go over your poetry, and they thought I was all having sex with Mr. Schollenberg. Yeah, but no, we were just having a great time writing. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good, for, it's good it went that good direction. That story ended well. <laughs> yeah, didn't want to have to you know kind of tiptoe around Schollenberg, <laughs> but uh, but so poetry that and, and but that's that's good. You must have had a good group of friends that they were just sort of like, oh, thank God you're just writing poetry <laughs> and not <laughs> definitely. It was a very progressive school. <laughs> <laughs> How those poems look to you now? When was the last time you, uh, you checked know, in with not the... great. I, I think my style at the time was I, I would high school? 
this was high school. Yeah. Uh, I would write out everything in very simple terms and very simple words, and then I would take out the thesaurus and yeah. I would go word by word and basically find like a more flowery version of that <laughs> word. <laughs> and so yeah. it was just these yeah. poems comprised of like yeah. nonsense words that synonyms. sounded smart to me. A lot of synonyms. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what you look up in a thesaurus? There you go. Uh, but so when. And why do you kind of start to do the act? Now, when did your dad pass? Passed about 11-ish years ago. So he was around when you were in high school and stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was he, and, and did he stay a painter or what did he end up doing? So he, um, after college, he went away from it for a long time, for like 40 years. 40? And yeah, he went into business. And he, at uh, his final couple years of his life, he actually picked up painting again, huh. just as a hobby. Did and they stay married? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I, those last final years, I'd never seen him happier. And I, it was one of these things where like, you know, I think a lot of people kind of go away from, from these like creative urges that they have because yeah. they haven't maybe made a career out of it or whatnot. But like watching him do that, it was just incredible to, for him to be like, you know what? I don't need this to be my whole life, but I just need to like do this thing that's in me. And he was really, really happy at the end. Huh. And what was the business that he went away for? He was doing a bunch of different stuff. There was like a bunch of startups that he was trying to get going. And then he was like doing these, doing some philanthropic stuff where he was uh, providing like medicine and telephone systems in India and Afghanistan. And huh. Yeah, it got to the point where like all my friends thought he was in the CIA and I couldn't fully <laughs> deny that because I wasn't convinced. But <laughs> How did he uh, pass? Heart attack. Oh, was it just quick? It was pretty sudden, yeah. Oh my God, it's yeah, yeah. terrible. Yeah. I, uh, well, sorry. That's all right. So when do you decide to do acting? You just watching James like rise and you're like, if he can do it. Not necessarily. <laughs> uh, no, I... Because yeah, re- you know him, right? You're like, if that guy... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I can <laughs> I can do it if he can. Honestly, like, yeah. I, I was a pretty shy kid growing up, and I had no intention of performing in any way. Yeah. And... Um, when I came down to LA to go to school, I, I basically got forced into an acting class. And, Where'd you go? Uh, I was at USC. And what, you, what were you studying there? English? I was studying psychology because when you don't know what you want to do, you do psychology or communications. Really? And I was minoring in film. And so psychology and film ended up being like a perfect combo for acting. Wow. But in psychology, um, we had no intention of following through with it you were just kind of interested i guess i mean i've I've always been interested and i've always been just very curious about people and that type of stuff but Mm. i I don't think i had anything in my mind about like going down that specific being a therapist yeah exactly all right so you take this acting class because you had to for the film minor or what? No, this was truly my brother's manager kind of like forcing me. Who was that? Who's your brother's manager? Then? Uh, this was an old manager. I'd rather not say his name because, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, things things happen. But uh, uh, I remember auditing this class yeah. and seeing That's like. so funny. He saw like, I can get both of these fuckers working. <laughs> this kid much. looks good. This kid looks good. I got a little traction with the older Frank. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so I remember like the first people on stage, yeah. you know, they start crying and screaming and yeah. hitting each other. And I remember sitting back there and thinking, fuck this you know i want no part of this but i stuck it out i think just because i i, I love i've always loved movies and i was just sure. like maybe this is a way into it all yeah uh and i didn't like it for a long time just because i was so nervous i'd but never done point, this before but at that point your, your brother had already done what he had done the major things were like you know freaks and geeks was the first big thing so he was on that well into it by yeah. the time you're yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. um and, you know, yeah, it took a long time for me to get comfortable. And, I mean, I, I can say I really, really do love it now, but uh, it was tough. It was yeah. tough, yeah. 
And when, how do you start? It, well, you know, but there, I believe there's a genetic component to, you know, being able to pop on screen. You do. I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't you? I mean, I, yeah. I just I, I know that like even with my big head and my smaller body, that <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily radiate movie snartness. I disagree. Well, I appreciate that, but uh, but I think there are some people that like, like how how come there's so many Baldwin's that do, this, this <laughs> is true. I mean, it's like I I know it's really popular to do the nepo baby trip or the family trip, mm-hmm. but but it, but it it's not a real thing that you can't just kind of grandfather someone in or get someone a job. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, but all those bald ones, even the one that's like a preacher now, mm. uh, they all did okay on screen. Yeah, like they all... all looked correct. But no, I believe there is a component to the fact, obviously there is a genetic component to the ability to act. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I have a ton to say on that, but uh, it, it was it was interesting because um, obviously – Obviously, it was helpful in the sure. sense that uh, I had someone to to turn to to answer any questions I had and all that. Um, Did he help you? Yeah, I mean, he yeah. answered stuff. You know, he had been through everything that I was going through. So you start what was like you start getting what sent out. How do you deal with the rejection as a shy guy? <sighs> that's a, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I think maybe because I, you know what, at the what? time I was still I was still going to school, yeah. and I was going to acting class outside of school, and I was auditioning. Who were you studying with? Um, I was studying. God, it was on Larchmont uh, Playhouse West. Okay. And it was one of these things that where even though I was killing myself, kind of like going back and forth between everything, I kind of had school as this safety net where I was like, all right, if things don't work with this other thing, I still got school. And so I think that gave me a little bit of like a, I don't know, put me at ease a little bit. Oh, so bit. You, you didn't, right. You weren't like, you know, oh, I'm all in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah. was, but I still had this other thing Right, going. right, right. You could, it was, it was, it enabled you if, uh, like in your mind, some relief. Yes. From the panic. Yes. But then what happened is I had about, you know, I had a few months, aw- I was a few months away from graduating school and I got like my first big job that took me away. And so I, I actually had to drop out of school and this job, uh, it was in, um, God, what's the Canadian city? Um, Vancouver? No. Winnipeg? Yes, Toronto? Yes. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. <laughs> it was in Winnipeg during the winter. Oh. And we were staying on what was considered the windiest corner in all of Canada. Yeah, it's like the windiest corner in the world. It's right in downtown yes. Winnipeg. I know that yes. place. Yeah. And so we were doing this horror movie, and it was this like- That's re- your first gig of horror movie. Kind of. You've done a lot of horror movies. I know. I think I turned down a role in a horror movie you were in with Jamie Foxx. Oh, you turned that down. Yeah, I did. <laughs> we would have had fun. I know. I I think I was supposed to, I don't know if they were offering it to me, but the, was there a guy in the office, the, yes, the main guy? I know the exact part. Who played that guy? Uh, Eric Lang, who, uh, did you see uh, Escape at Dannemora? Yeah. He plays uh, Patricia Arquette's husband. He's incredible in that Oh, yeah, show. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, he's good. Yeah. That yeah. guy's good. He's really good. Yeah, is he? He's been a lot of things, right? Yeah, he's been popping up a bunch. Um, all right, so so okay, so I, I we're in, in Winnipeg, you're in Canada. Yeah, yeah, and it was this really physically demanding shoot where I I like you know had bruises all over my whole body. I yeah. lost my voice a couple times from screaming so much. I actually dislocated my shoulder. Yeah, and so we had. I remember we had like two weeks left to go. And I had the day off, and the main girl, she comes to my hotel room. I was like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be on set. And she's like, shit's going down. So we find out. 
<laughs> we find out that they didn't have any money left. Yeah. And they hadn't been paying the crew for weeks. Oh. And so we all get sent home. Welcome to independent film show business. And yes. So we all get sent home and we're waiting for that call for them to be like, you know, we spent millions of dollars. Let's finish these last two weeks. And we never went back. And I was so heartbroken at the time. You know, this was the movie that I dropped out of school for. And in hindsight, it was mm. probably for the best because it was a movie called Bad Meat, uh, where the tagline was, it's the meat, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. That's the tagline? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So I think I dodged a bullet on that one. It's bad. <laughs> Never got finished. What's crazy is, I think years later, they actually brought in an entirely new cast to, to make to bad like, meat to fill in the blanks, and I think it's out there somewhere. It's called bad meat. Bad meat. So okay, so then what happens next? Mm. Um, I I didn't go back to school. It was it was tough because you still haven't finished. I still haven't finished. Do you have dreams about that? I, I you know what I, I looked into it. I looked into night school. I looked into like all that type of thing. And how, how many credits short are you? I mean, probably like a few classes. Oh. Um, but it was tough. They they basically were like, you got to be here in person, and uh-huh. it's it's one of those things. At USC. Yeah. It's not far. It's down the street. It's right there. At least see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then after that. Get that psychology degree. Really start working. Exactly. (laughs) Really put that to use. (laughs) So so you get into what now? Um, I'm trying to think. Like the next... The next kind of like bigger significant thing, like the the biggest thing at the time was uh, I was a recurring on the final season of Scrubs, which... Uh, but didn't with, you have little parts in movies before? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I had a tiny part in uh, Superbad. Yeah. Uh, which was which was amazing, you know. It was one of those things. I think that was my first first movie, and I have like two lines. I can't line, remember. You have lines? I have yeah. two lines in it, and my lines are... Um, uh, uh, Jonas says, "Why don't you go piss your pants again?" Yeah. And I say, "That was eight years ago, asshole." And he says, oh, yeah, I "And he says people don't forget." And it was one of these things where that movie was. Didn't so, you play like a bully guy? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the movie was so popular that. I remember people were recognizing me at the time, and I was yeah. like, oh, man, I got to work again quick so I'm not the guy who pissed his pants for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're not the two-line guy who pissed his pants. Yeah, but I'm telling you, people still bring that up. Yeah. Uh, it just shows that movie it's how much— It's a favorite movie. It it's really a timeless is. movie for kids. So, But then you're doing small parts, so, like, you're—like, did you get that—did you get that movie on the level? On the level? Well, I mean, did, did you audition for that? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> no, I remember auditioning for two roles in that, uh, mm. both assholes, and they gave me one of them. One asshole? Mm-hmm. But it says here, Milk, Telephone Tree Number 5. Oh, God. I, we, nothing. That's nothing. I was part of a montage in that movie. It's like... But did you have more to, to begin with? I mean, were you just cut? No. It was yeah. just kind of like, hey, do you want to be part of this montage of this Gus Van Sant movie? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> Come on, I'm a young actor. Give it to Am me. Am I going to be on camera with Sean Penn? Uh, I was not. I was like part of like a one sixteenth of the screen where they split it up into a bunch of people on the phone. Yeah. So, but but you're doing what is this? So, are you making movies yet? Are you doing short films? Um, or what are you doing? I'm not making movies. But what ended up happening was I was you know I was really happy to be working. I was happy on to scrubs uh, or just just in on general? all these little things. Yeah. You know, I was happy to be just get the experience. But yeah. it got to a point where. With a lot of these jobs, I wasn't necessarily like proud of what I was doing, and I didn't I didn't love the final thing. But like, I I got to a point where I paired up with my buddy who I grew up with, who's a director, and we started making short films for Funny or Die, who you know, which was like this huge comedy site at the time. Mm-hmm. 
and we we developed this great relationship with them where they would basically give us a budget. Yeah. They would fill in the crew that we needed, and they give gave us full freedom to do whatever insane ideas so we like wanted. Was like at the beginning? Yeah, and so, like, we, we did everything. You know, we wrote them, edited them, directed, acted, and now it's kind of like my film school. So, oh, really, in terms of learning behind the camera stuff? Everything. And what was crazy is that that site was so popular at the time that— if we had a video on there that happened to be successful, like, yeah. more people saw it than if I did an ind- independent movie. It was right. crazy. And you did a lot, you did a few independent movies, but like, which were were there videos that you did that really went viral and crazy? <laughs> yeah, they're they're all crazy. Uh, right. There was one I I did called "Go Fuck Yourself," where um, it starts with like me and a girlfriend having a fight, and right before she leaves, she says, "Why don't you go fuck yourself?" And then it cuts to me going into a bar, and I see another version of myself, and I pick <laughs> him up, and we go on this like date at the beach where I'm like taking him out. How do you do it, the split screen thing? We brought in this like amazing VFX artist, and that was kind of. <laughs> Like the the um, that was the great thing about these videos is that like they're these really silly dumb jokes, but we made them look really great. Wow! Um, and so it ends with like a hard cut to me fucking myself. <laughs> <laughs> but what? But didn't you? Do you consider? Like, do you consider yourself a character actor? No, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I don't. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, I mean, because it's interesting. I mean, like you did, you did get some big movies, right? I mean. Jump twenty two Jump Street's big movie, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of the twenty one Jump Street was the biggest movie yeah. at the time that I'd done. And I mean I I auditioned for that maybe seven times. It was yeah. it was pretty grueling. And actually the directors told me after the fact that part of the reason they finally gave me the role is because they saw one of these silly videos on Funnier Guy <laughs> and they yeah. were like, Oh, this guy understands. That comedy. put him over the top. Yeah. And but but that was like so did that put you on the map? Were you working more? Did you have a, a little more choice? That was the one. Yeah. yeah and, and then Scrubs you were on for a while. Scrubs. So that was the final season and it was interesting because it was technically like kind of a spin-off, yeah. you know, like most of the main cast had left and they brought in a lot of new people yeah. and it was tough because like the, they had basically they had ended the show at season 8 and they had one of like the best finales ever where like the final shots are literally behind the scenes shots of them all hugging and yeah. crying and saying goodbye and yeah. it's like so heartfelt yeah. and then they're like we're doing another one yeah. and so it uh it was tough <laughs> but, but what i will say is like I had a great time, and it was one of those things where we were on a network show. They gave us a ton of leeway. We were improvising. I was working with did, really nice, funny people. Did it people. hold an audience? The Our season? Yeah. Not necessarily. <laughs> no, <laughs> we not didn't do one after it. No. <laughs> but, you know, they figured, why not? Let's try to milk it. Let's try it. Like, well, we've, we've jumped the shark, but we'll just recast it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Was it fun, though? It was fun. It was really fun. But how much TV did you really end up doing? Um, I popped in and out of a few things. Uh, I mean, we both did uh, all four, We Easy. did all four seasons of Easy. Yeah. I did two. Yeah. Like I was, I think, right? No, I did three. Were there four? I think there was three. Yeah, I think that's right. Did you have a good time? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I like that guy, the me, character. Me and, and, and Swanberg is, uh, I, don't, I don't know how he's doing. Do you talk to him? Yeah, every once in a while. We'll is text. Right? He seems to be good, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, he's one of the few guys that can sort of do that improvised movie thing. I know. Lynn could do it too. That's right. Uh, but there's not many people that can direct like that. It's tough because sometimes you, it feels like chaos. But they, It's chaos, but they know in their head when yes. they've got what they need. Yes. Which is a weird thing. It like is. they're watching and they're like, okay, it's a, yeah, that's what I need. And they're very kind of, specific skill set. It is, man. And I thought that thing was great. But he didn't seem to give a fuck about promoting it. <laughs> 
I, I wonder if it was more just that it was like it was so such small budgets. It was so under the radar, and it, it really felt like Netflix were, was just kind of like because this is so low budget, just do your thing. Do yeah, I know, but do. like, but like, I don't know that any of us. I, it, I I know it's hard to promote stuff, but I didn't see any concern with promotion at all. Not on behalf of Netflix, but Joe was just sort of like, I can make my office a bar. Right, <laughs> you're you're correct about that. <laughs> He's like, this is great, man. It was I'm a beautiful gonna, bar to his credit. Yeah, man, it was great, and he started this sort of like art commune it's just like it's a performance space we're gonna like he's like at that at that time like he's really in it for the art yeah you know for real he's always been that way where he was going from job to job did you know him earlier that before easy um maybe in passing just through friends oh yeah well yeah he did a few movies yeah that were kind of interesting he like but really but they were indie movies, but they were weird. Oh, yeah. You know, like they weren't like sort of like uh, rom-coms. Nope. That's for sure. No, no, no. He did some movies where you're like, what the fuck is happening? I know. I mean, and that was his thing where yeah. he was like working with his friends and they were basically just trying to make enough money on each one to make another one. And they were just right. getting that experience under their belts. Yeah, I thought I thought Easy was great. Me too. And that was like the perfect thing for him. Like this was like all his skills like coming into the perfect project. Yeah, I thought I did my best work on that one with Melanie Linsky. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. I don't even know how it happened. He and creates a comfortable environment. He does. Yeah. And, I, we, and he, she was only there for one day. Really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it was just it was like, uh, there's a moment there that we played that was just crazy. I, I believe that she had just had the baby. I, I, I think, I think, right? Mm. And But the character was not, you know, supposed to be. Oh, oh, oh. Right. And, and uh, so it was one of those sort of like, oh, so you're, when are you expecting mm-hmm. I'm not. And she yeah. looks at me and like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because it's just like the worst thing that could be said into the, for those characters Definitely. at that moment. Definitely. But did tell me real quick, if you don't mind talking about it, what was, what was it like having Lynn direct you? It was great. I yeah. mean, you know, Lynn was, you know, kind of an, an actor's director. I mean, she, yeah. you know, she was really kind of acutely sensitive to the humanity of any scene. Yeah, like yeah. It, it was, there was something that she was looking for and, and you can see it in her movies that she gets it. There's a, a depth to what she gets out of her performances. Definitely. And also, I don't know. She was, she's one of those people that is not, she, she's, she's into, you know, collaborative with actors. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it seems as I, I've worked more, but not as much as most actors, but, and I talk to directors, some directors are like, I hire him to do the job. Mm. I'm not there to teach him anything. Mm. I want them to figure it out. Yeah. Like, I, you know, that, that's why I hired them. But like, she would kind of like, you know, give suggestions, think things through, yeah. talk about, or ask you questions yeah, yeah. about, you was know. It, was it, was her style kind of different from Joe's, even though they both kind of had that very improvisational thing? Well, yeah, Joe's a, a goofball. Sure. And I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and Joe kind of is pushing you to, like, Joe's a little, uh, he's kind of a, uh, a little bit of a dirty boy. Okay. Yeah. In the sense that, like, he's, look, he's mischievous. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think she was like that. Lynn was really sort of a joy spreader. Uh, uh. Joe was sort of like, I wonder if we could get this to. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? I, I, think, I think you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> So they, they had different approaches, yeah. but they but you know but they both knew intuitively, and they both like like to be right there mm, with mm-hmm, the actors, mm-hmm. you know. And, and Joe and it was, shows, and it's why it's why they always got amazing actors. Like I remember Joe shooting a lot of it, didn't he? He was holding the camera. He sometimes. would, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But so is, I'm I'm curious: is directing something that you ever think about? Recently, I have. Been. Yeah, 
I mean, I did a couple episodes of uh, of my show. Oh, sure, sure. But it's very, you know, you're not really directing when you're in every scene, you know, and you're, you're on a, a, a no budget. But you're still kind of part of the whole process. I get, and- well, yeah, I mean, but you're sort of like, you're just like, the first one I directed, I, I don't even think we had a playback monitor because we have uh, time. Uh, right. So it's just sort of me going to the DP like, it's good? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you've been thinking more, more about it recently. Yeah, because I want to get involved with making this book a movie. Oh, so, cool. it, but I, you know, I, I'm willing to produce it and kind of try to pull it together. But part of me feels like, why not direct it? Yeah, you know, definitely. I think you'd be amazing. Well, I mean, it's a little scary, it's but I mean, terrifying, man. But let me tell you. So, what for on the first one that I directed, the uh, rental? Yes, uh, I I was I was very scared going into it. I had been wanting to direct for a long time, but I was. You know, I'm scared of failure. I was scared that there would be this spotlight on me where people would aren't be you, like... What, what, aren't you scared about, like, uh, you know, do you know all the lenses and stuff? Okay, <laughs> that was what I was definitely scared about at first. But what you realize is yeah. if you get a good DP, you don't I need know. to know that shit. I know, dude. I so, mean, but you say that out loud and people are like, well, you know, it's like true. You end up learning about it, but like you really can From lean the DP? On, yes. Because so, you're like, all right, we need a master and then we need coverage. Yeah. So we're gonna, are we going to do a, a overs? Are we doing French overs or over over? <laughs> you talk through what you need in whatever yeah. language you say and they'll interpret it and they'll be like, here's yeah. an option, here's an option. But like what I really learned was um, when I stepped on set that first day, yeah. I was like, oh, I know a lot more than I thought I did because I've been on these sets before. Sure. And it made me think about a lot of first time directors where yeah. when they're stepping on set, that's their first time on any set ever. And so they're just learning like the dynamics of how things work. But when you're a director, the one thing that you don't do, I would imagine as an actor for your whole life is sit around going like, what the fuck is taking so long? Sure. Like, uh, wait, what the fuck is, <laughs> what are they, lighting? That said, there's always so much to do that it's just like. Right, as a director. Yes. But as a, as a guy sitting in a trailer, you're like, how is it four hours? Yes. To, yeah. It's, it's kind of nice you're, actually you're the to one do that less. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always something to do as a director. Sure. Um, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So no, you're, you're, you're you're on set and what, you get on set. But you got to be the leader. I talked to, I had lunch with Baina. Oh, cool. The other day. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, it's really about just being decisive. Yeah. Definitely. And like, you know, I've I've co-written both of these scripts and the rental and the new one. Yes. Um, and because of that, I, I know these scripts and these characters inside and out and I almost don't need to think about it. And so, like, I really have a strong opinion about what I want to do. But on top of that, like, you know, the best thing I did on each project was I really spent a long time like vetting the crew and the cast where I wanted, you know, three glowing reviews about each person before bringing them on the team. And it, because of that, the process, it took a while. <laughs> you want to hire any assholes? Absolutely. That's, wow. It was just as important. Like, obviously I wanted people who were really talented, yeah. but it was just as important to me, especially as a first timer, to have people who were nice and who were willing to work their asses off. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking around. I'm surrounded by all these amazing people. And not people who are looking at you as your first-time director going like, this guy. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and it just makes for this really nice environment because, yeah. like, you know, I'm sure you've been on sets, too, where it's it's not that way. Oh, uh, dude, when, when there's someone, like, wobbly at the helm, oh, actors man. just are sort of like, what the fuck is happening? Who the fuck is this asshole? But not even at the helm. Like, anywhere. Any yeah, position. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, one yeah, bad yeah. seed can spread to the whole I thing. Yeah, I, I know. Sets are weird, man. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah, they, it can get pretty ugly. Yeah, but I've been on, I've been on, I've been lucky not to be on too many bad ones, but I've been on enough where I'm just like, it doesn't need to be this way. And when I have some control, I'm going to make sure we have a great time too. Yeah, I don't think I've been on a bad set, but I have been on a set that was a little indecisive. Okay, yeah. And it get, and, and especially where it's like, we, there were, 
it, it doesn't matter. Like with the cast the size of Glow, mm-hmm. if somebody at the top like is is sort of like not sure what the scene is, we're yeah. all kind of like, hey, there's like 20 of us. Yes. <laughs> and it's cold. Yeah. Can we figure this out? Yeah. I mean, I definitely know what that feels sure, like. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, but how do you get into, you know, what was the process of the rental? You just like... That was, um, I you know, I wrote the script with Joe Swamber. Because of your relationship with him from Easy? Yeah, actually. Yeah, we, we both were kind of talking about horror movies and we're like, let's write one together. Yeah, and we both like the horror movies. Yeah, yeah. and he, uh, you know, he lives in Chicago and so he, he flew out to L.A. two different times for like a week at a time and we basically holed up in his hotel room and we, we kind of cranked out the first draft during that time and then uh, just kind of took it out to independent financiers. And that was it. And once you got the money, you just, you know, you hired the, he, did he, what did he learn from him in terms of production? Um, he, he, he wasn't there with us, but what I love about Joe is he's, he's not precious about anything. He has no ego. He's just very much like so collaborative and such an idea guy. But who'd you bring in? Like, you, you know, like it's your first time. So like, who'd you bring in for, you know, to pull the crew together and everything? That was me, man. Yeah. 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 I was, I, you know, I reached out to all the main actors myself. This was before we even took it out to sell it. It was kind of a naive thing to do, but I was like, these are the people I want for the roles. Yeah. I'm going to, I don't know most of them, but I'm going to find their emails. I'm going to reach out and tell them how much I love them and yeah. send them the script and hope they like it. And so we actually had the whole cast attached before we took it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we were, I remember when we were taking it out, there was, there was a good amount of interest, but a lot of these places they wanted me to kind of push it more down the middle and give us stuff that we've seen a million times before right. where they wanted more jump scares and more whatever. And then we oh, finally... Really? Is, is there a jump scare count when people are assessing whether of, to make a seems horror like movie? <laughs> that's, I, but that's a discussion that's I, had? Like, yeah, definitely. Not, we're about three jump scares short on this. Truly. <laughs> oh. um, and so I finally talked to Black Bear. Yeah. Who, um, who financed it and they, they were just finally asking the right questions and they knew what we were trying to do. And, and then what do did they have somebody around? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But they they truly they were they were so hands off, and they they I, I've been so lucky that on, on both movies that they've really leaned on us, and and I walk away, and it's like yes, of course I hope I hope people love love these yeah. movies as much as we do. But at the end of the day, it's like we we made the movies that we set out to make, and I, I got to be you know content with that. Right, and and in between the two, you did the Disaster Artist. No, that became before both. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, whose idea was that? I wonder, I don't know who initially had the idea, but someone optioned the book, The Disaster Artist, uh, and the book, the the tone of the movie came from the book. Yeah. Like, I I think- The book was written by your character. Yes. Right. And I think everyone expected us to make, like, the big, broad comedy version of that movie, you know, where we were making fun of The Room and making fun of Tommy Wiseau. And we really leaned on the book where the book is really just this earnest story about these bizarre characters who are trying to make a movie. And it's it's one of these things where um, a lot of people, you know, the character I play, Greg Sestero, I think a lot of people were like... Why why did you stick around with this guy? This guy Tommy Wiseau, why did you believe in this project? Like yeah. what what kept you around? And I think it's this mindset where like as a young actor, you're just happy to be working. Well, and, that's what people don't understand the desperation in Hollywood. Yes, and like the nature of this place. Oh man, and, and it's like whatever you're doing, you convince yourself this could be great. Of course, and and there are people out here that don't there's still people out here that come out here thinking they're going to be discovered. 
Right. And right. They, there is a level of, of strange delusion that we all have to have mm-hmm. a bit of in order to keep going within it. Yeah. But a lot of times that can just, you know, grow, especially when you're involved in something. Yeah. I can't, like, coming up in this business with comedy and, like, being young in this business yeah, and yeah. just hearing guys sort of like, yeah, we're shooting this thing, man. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And then you're like, oh, this is not good. I know. It's <laughs> it's tough. It's like you kill yourself. You kill yourself. You finally get this thing. You work your ass off, and it comes out, and everyone shits on it. Mm. It's tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. But, you know, but how— what was your brother's relationship with him and what was yours relationship with Tommy? <laughs> I mean, because like the guy's like, you know, he's it's to be to say he's odd as being diplomatic. Yeah. He's he's a little problematic sure. in that he's delusional. Right. It's it's um we we really we've gone through a journey with Tommy. Like we really grew to love him. Uh, but didn't you feel like at some point, cause I was like watching the movie and I thought you were, you, you both handled it very well and, mm-hmm. and you, you handled it with, uh, humility, yeah. but it's hard not to think on some level you're busting the guy's balls. Yes and no. I mean, right. we, we definitely like showed all the warts for sure. We yeah. didn't hold back and we, we showed how crazy it got. But I, I think I just go back to what I was saying before, yeah, where yeah. it's a guy at the at the heart of it yeah. is this guy who has a dream, yeah. and he and he's going he's going after it, and he actually has the means to do exactly what he wants, and yeah. no one's going to tell him anything. I just thought when he came up at the what was it the Oscars or where was it where you were? That on? was the the Golden, Golden Globes. Gloves. I yeah. was sort of like, oh, he thinks this is it. Man. I know. I mean, it's incredible that he ended up on that stage after all this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> nobody really wanted to talk. Of course, he and did. He, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are like, okay, okay. I mean, who knew what was going to come out of his mouth? Yeah. But it's it's funny at the, just a quick story at, um, when we finished the movie, yeah. we, we told him, we're like, all right, Tommy, how do you want to see this for the first time? Yeah. Do you want us to, to, you know, send you a link? Do you want yeah. us to set up a private screening? And he was like, no, I want to see it at the premiere at South by Southwest with a thousand people in the audience. And we were like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. Yeah. So we were like, okay. We made this movie in a way where he really should like it. You know, yeah. we really show a lot of empathy yeah, for yeah. him. But you never know. You make sure. a movie about someone's life, they're going to be sensitive right. yeah, to yeah. certain details. So it's this packed theater, and him and Greg Sestero are sitting down the the aisle from did us. You, did you talk to Greg a lot for yeah. your role? Yeah, yeah, And he was on set every day. And he oh, was, he was? Yeah, he was amazing. He was, like, not the type at all to be like, oh... I would never say something like that, or I would but never do that. did he know that. what you guys were doing? Definitely, definitely. And yeah, he yeah. felt okay he about was, it. He was so supportive. Yeah. So, okay, so we're at the premiere. They're sitting down the aisle. The movie's playing, and it's playing really well. The audience is really into yeah. it. And we're kind of, like, leaning forward and, like, checking in what, what Tommy's yeah. feeling. Yeah, And he's wearing sunglasses, yeah. and he has a stone face. And we're yeah. like, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So it plays great. We we go backstage. We're about to go out to do a and a and we go up to Tommy. We're like, what do you think, man? And he goes, I approve 99.9%. And we're like, amazing. Yeah. And we're like, what's what's the 0.1%? And again, you think he's going to be like, oh, that didn't happen like that. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I think you should look at the lighting in the first half of the movie. <laughs> and what we realized was he was wearing sunglasses the whole movie. <laughs> so yeah, the lighting's going to look a little off. <laughs> But no, he he ended up being like a huge supporter, which is like really important with that type of thing. You don't want the subject of your movie to like, you know, naysay the whole project. Especially when, you know, he's, you you don't know 
what his mental disposition really is, mm-hmm. but maybe you do. Maybe maybe you know exactly who that guy is. Maybe. I think you do. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. What, what you think is kind of it. Yeah. 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 Like it, it was the best thing that could have happened to him. It really was. <laughs> you made that movie. He was having a great time, man. I mean, it was beautiful in a way because like, like you know, when we were standing on stage at South by Southwest after that screening, Tommy comes out. He's got a thousand people giving him a standing ovation, like an earnest yeah. standing ovation. Like that must have been. I think he, I think you guys played those guys with a lot of heart, you know. Yeah, we tried to. And like working with your brother was did did that dynamic? Did you feel a dynamic? Definitely, yeah. Because yeah. you were definitely a younger brother character. Oh yeah, and I think I think it really worked because it's like you know I'm playing this guy who. Uh, you, you gotta see through my character's eyes you have to see Tommy's humanity you yeah. gotta see some sort of right. heart in, in there right. and I think you know I think subconsciously there just is that thing between me and my brother where I yeah. love him and I, yeah. I think that shows a little bit sure well yeah you would hope yeah <laughs> <laughs> but so the rental did well yeah it was great man I mean it was a bizarre it was a bar- bizarre scenario because we came out at the very beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, we were going to, you know, we were about to do the festival tour and all of that yeah. and then the world shut down and we paired up with IFC to distribute the movie who's yeah. like a great independent financer and or distributor and uh, they told us they were like, "Hey, we think there's power in choosing a date, a release date yeah. and sticking to it no matter what." And why that was so great is because if you remember at the time, all these movies kept moving their release date because they thought the pandemic would eventually be right, over. And right. so what happened is like when we came out, there was no other competition. Right. And so we Where'd you come out? We came out in a bunch of drive-in theaters. <laughs> and we were number one we were the number one movie for two straight weeks. <laughs> and we were the second movie ever to be number one in theaters and streaming at the same time. <laughs> and like obviously there's an asterisk next to that sure. chat. Yeah. But like it was it was pretty wonderful. Um Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that really worked out in a way, huh? Yeah. yeah. And this movie Yeah. Somebody I used to know mm-hmm. was something that you and Allison decided to just write yeah so this uh we started writing this at the very very beginning of the pandemic and at the time you know the the movies that we were watching were all these you know very positive optimistic movies it was all we could stomach you know Oh, really yeah that's cute Uh, and (laughs) and so we were like let's do one let's do our own version let's put some like positivity out in the world and we both loved the genre and uh i remember we were walking walking around my hometown and came up with the idea, which is essentially about kind of going to your hometown and reconnecting with your roots. And but it's funny because you know you kind of subvert the genre. Yeah, a bit. that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, yes, where it's like on paper the concept maybe feels familiar. You know, well, it's, it's a different journey for your lead heartbroken person. Yes, I, I'm so happy you say that because it's like I think a lot of people are like, oh, I know where this is going. But what I've done on both movies that I've directed I, is I, is like. You, you you think you know yeah yes you think this is a familiar for a concept. little while but you just, you don't like at some point because of like and I know uh, Allison you know playing selfish sure yeah yeah <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I I've seen it yes the, yes the sweet selfish person oh yeah I saw it for three years absolutely but but um but you do like 
I think the the thing is is like everybody is a little flawed. Yes, right. That's so, exactly right. Right. So you're not sure who you're rooting for. So it kind of it it it, it makes the expectations peculiar. Yes. Yes. You don't know where it's going. Where right. like the hopefully the the unique part about it is like in the execution where mm. every twist and turn, the characters themselves, the the music choices, the score, everything. Hopefully, yeah. is like you know we're we're essentially using what we know and love about the genre to take the audience down a certain path and then you know try to rip the rug out from under them. So, how long did it take to really kind of polish it off? And was it was it always? Did you conceive of it to be so inclusive? What do you mean by that? Well, I just mean that you know you have representation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of of uh, LGBTQ stuff. Yeah. Of uh, you know diversity in casting and yeah, like, like yeah. which is also, and, and you, you know, there was points where I'm like, are they just not even going to mention it? Right. Right. Which like, uh, I don't even know w- what Danny Pudi was. Right. Was he a brother? He was a friend. Oh, just a friend. Good friend. Who lived at the house? No, he was just always around. He was, oh, okay. we could talk about how he's co- I was like, codependent. Is that the other brother? No, he's codependent okay, with the main character. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, it's so funny to see those two work together because they're like they know each other. So you Allison know, and Danny, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. It's like <laughs> yeah. you sit back and you're like, oh, this chemi- you can't fake this chemistry. Yeah, well, they, it's well worn. Yes, yes. Um, no, I mean, I'm really happy you say all this. Like, it, it was one of those things where um, we, you know, it was we were definitely mindful of it. But at the end of the day, it was like the people we wanted for these roles. It, they just all those actors who ended up in the movie, they were perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, for sure. But I, I mean, it was just sort of like, where'd you shoot it? Oregon? We shot it, yeah, in uh, mostly around Portland, Oregon. And then like the, the little Bavarian town where it takes place is this uh, town called Leavenworth, which is in Washington State. And we went there for the final few days. Why'd you choose there to shoot? Uh, my, Oregon. My, uh, Oregon. So I shot actually both my movies in Oregon. Because um, what? Because it was cheap or cheaper? Or uh, it has a little bit of a tax incentive, but it was more that it was just the landscape. It's so pretty. I love there. it. Yeah, it's and stunning. The crew's incredible. Just like a bunch of really hardworking, nice people. Um, and then like Leavenworth, the Bavarian town. My friend, her her family lives there, and I remember going there for um, her sister's wedding. Yeah, and I was like, "What the fuck is this place?" And it just felt like the perfect setting where you can imagine people growing up there. Yeah, and and almost taking it for granted and being like, "Oh, this is a small town. It's the middle of nowhere." Uh, I, I got to get out of here. And then they grow up and they look back and they're just like, oh man, like that was a pretty special place to grow up, which kind of like ties sure. into the themes of the movie. Well, yeah, well, I, it's important. I didn't notice, like, I knew the houses seemed like that, but you didn't really do the city much. No, it was all, actually like every day it was like driving 30, 40, 40 minutes outside the city. To get yeah, yeah, nature. it was definitely pretty. And there's a lot of little parts where people show up, you know, like uh, Amy Sedaris. Oh, yeah. It's nice to see her. God, I love Amy. Well, she's so funny. And Hallie Joe Joel Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joe Osment. Isn't he funny? I fucking He was love very him. funny. Now yeah. what you did you tell him to go that I mean, that was a part like on the page, like I guess kind of the most comedic role, but in the wrong hands, you can imagine someone like really like leaning too hard into the joke or like trying too hard to be funny. And we really wanted someone who was just like not only naturally funny, but just like a great actor who could kind of inhabit that role and just be that kind of naive you know, guy Excited in the clouds. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought everybody did a good job. Sam Richardson. Yeah. For a minute. Oh yeah. Funny. He's in there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And that, in the, and that whole conceit of the reality show I thought was pretty funny. Thanks man. Um, but like to tell you the truth, yeah. it was great seeing Julie Haggerty again. Oh man. Isn't she incredible? What the fuck? I haven't seen her in so long, but she's so great. She is so great. I, we, we all fell in love with Julie and she, she, 
How did that casting happen? Has she been working a lot? She I, she pops up. She pops up. But like, again, but she, it was more like, I think a lot of people, uh, when they're casting, it's it's they, they really look at just all the shiny objects that are in front of their face. Like, who's hot in this current moment? But that's a generational thing. You know, you get when I, I've casted people of her age, both yeah. men and women. Yeah. And you kind of get this breakdown of, you know, from the casting agent. And you see who's available. Yep. And you're like, I remember her. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just get these people. Yeah. And you can. I know. I know. But Julie... She is so inherently just kind and warm and just like has she has a different energy yeah, specifically to her. herself. And we just like I she was I remember her from like airplane. Yes. And like from comedies when yeah. I was a kid. It was it was very specific energy. Yeah, but isn't that, she so grounded in yeah, now, greatness? Like, uh, yeah. Well now it's like you see the earnest part of of whatever that weird yes. comedic energy yes. was. Yes. From back in the day. Oh, yeah. And now she's just this, you know, truly authentic, quirky lady. I know. And we, we Sweet. she was only on set for three days, but like me and Allison, like she was our mom. We lo- we absolutely love her. And where'd you, how'd you get the, uh, like, who were the other people who played uh, his mother? His mother. Joe. Oh, oh, uh, Olga Meredith. Um, she, she's known for uh, In the Heights. Okay. Um, and she, it's, it's another one of those roles where, there's not a ton to do on the page, but she has such a specific energy yeah. and, and just like excitement that yeah. she really pops and makes yeah. these moments just feel very unique and special. Yeah. And um, yeah, and Allison, she likes being a dick. She's well, she's so good at <laughs> at towing the line where like even when she's doing things that are not necessarily morally sound, like she rationalizes it, justifies yeah, it. Yeah, and she's still human, and you can relate yeah. to why she's doing these things. And that's kind of like going back to what you were saying where, you know, I don't think there's any villains in the movie, but everyone is flawed. And everyone, you know, some people are making, you know, questionable choices. But at the end of the day, they're all good people. They're just going through it. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, and it ends up in a nice, weird place. Yeah, exactly. A nice, weird, unexpected <laughs> place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good job, buddy. So, Thanks, man. And so now it's all about this movie for a little while? Yeah, we're about, this is the first day of our kind of press tour, and so we're going to go travel, ar- travel around with it for a little bit. In, in movie theaters? Um, no, this is, this is Amazon, going on Amazon. February it was always 10th. the deal. Yeah, yeah. And these kind of, like, people like romantic comedies. I think so. We so, love them. Yeah? Yeah. How do you feel about romantic comedies in general? Well, name a few. I mean, it's the like classics. You're thinking of the them. classics are uh, When Harry Met Sally, yeah. Sleepless in Seattle, mm-hmm. Pretty Woman. Yeah. How do you feel about those? They're fine. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, no, I mean, I like them. <laughs> but I think what's interesting is, like, you know, initially I'm watching this and I'm thinking, like, well, this is just sort of like, you know, you just, it's entertainment and you don't have, it doesn't have to be too heavy and sure, whatever. Sure, sure. But then, like, it sort of unfolds. It's sort of like, well, this is kind of heavy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we tried to do. I'm so happy you're saying all these things because, like, it's one of these things where I hope the movie does go a little deeper than people expect. Well, it's just sort of like, you know, because it does unfold. In a way that you can't anticipate, just yes. the in terms of the character. Yes. The story is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, you can kind of maybe, you, you don't know exactly how it's yeah. going to end, but you do know one thing. You have a general roadmap, but yeah. like it's going to, it's going to surprise you along the way. Right. But, but it's really more about, you know, sort of learning more about the people. That's true. That becomes sort of the, the weird thing. That's true. Specifically, you know, the groom and the fiance yes. and, you know, and Allison and then just the, you know, hurt the fiance's parents. Yeah. And like, you know, just all these stuff that sort of unfold that are really kind of add more depth than I think regular 
uh, romantic comedies, unless I'm not remembering properly. No, I appreciate you saying that. Let me name a couple recent ones to see if you've seen them. Um, the, the really great ones are like uh, Palm Springs. Did you see that? No. What about um, The Big Sick? But that was Kumail. Yeah, movie? yeah. Well, yeah, that was a true story, and that was well, that was heavy. But I didn't. It didn't register to me as being specifically a romantic comedy because because I knew it happened. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. Like, it, like it wasn't. You couldn't contrive that really. Yes, it's more of a biopic in in a way. Well, yeah. I mean, if it, it kind of came together as a as a romantic comedy, yeah. I guess that's true. There was all that sort of cross-cultural stuff. Yeah, it's a good and, one. It's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, what about, this is like a slightly different type, but like, have you, did you see um, Enough Said with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, Gandolfini? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a great one. That is a great one. Yeah, I could see this more in the in the way of that. Yeah. I guess like, maybe I'm not remembering, uh, I guess Pretty Woman was, you know, she was a hooker. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, it's, yeah. it's a great <laughs> movie. You should revisit it, man. No, no, it's I don't, I, I thought it was a good movie. And, and in, in Harry Met Sally, that was sort of a rekindled thing, or I can't remember how that, that was. was them. That was kind of them over the years, their friendship kind of building. And oh, then, to them, then finally them yes. doing that? Yes. And then what was the other one you mentioned? Uh, Sleepless uh, oh, in Seattle. Seattle. That was like the online thing. Uh, that was, where uh, they didn't heard, know who, heard, she heard him over the radio. Yeah. And then goes to kind of find him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But isn't there a period there where they didn't know they were talking to each other? That's You've Got Mail. Oh, you've got mail. Yes, yes. Also, Tom Hanks. That was a different one. Different one. Sweetest in Seattle is who's in that? Tom Hanks, baby. The both of them. Oh yeah. And Meg Ryan. And uh, both of them. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she was in it when Harry met Sally, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. She was the one. She was the one, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess you're right. I guess like I'm forgetting that these are not necessarily simple, and there is always no. This there's great ones, man. You should deep, revisit some of these deeply. Uh, kind of difficult and sad and flawed people. It's a good genre. You should it, give it another chance. We, uh, do I have to write one now? Do I have to be in one? Give what? it a shot, man. Do, you, <laughs> get, 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 do I get another cranky dad pitch? No way. I'm going to write one for you where you're a very joyous man. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks, Dave. Good talking to you, man. You too, dude. Okay, Dave Franco. Somebody I used to know comes out February 10th on Prime Video. And uh, please hang out for one second, will you? Can you just hang out for a second? Wrestling with Mark wraps up next week for Full Marin listeners. This week, we've got my talk with AEW owner Tony Khan, who told me why someone would want to start a major professional wrestling league from scratch. For example, like a challenger brand, a good example you know, Pepsi is the new generation. Pepsi's a challenger brand like AEW. And when yeah. I launched this, I was like, yeah. okay, I'd like to be the Pepsi of pro wrestling. Would you be interested in that? Everyone said yes. Then they showed me a marketing deck about what it means to be a challenger brand. And the best examples they gave me were like Burger King. What's their marketing? A lot of it is like, hey, McDonald's sucks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, and So that's when people ask why I, I, I go out and talk about the competition in wrestling. I mean, that's why, because it was handed down on high to me from the network. To hear our Wrestling with Mark series, plus all our weekly bonus content and every episode of WTF ad-free, sign up for the full Marin. Just click on the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. Okay? Okay? You hear me? All right. On Monday, I talked with Wayne Brady, which was pretty intense. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what your thoughts on Wayne Brady are, and I've had mine. But uh, to really sit down and talk with the guy and what he's gone through because of some of your thoughts about Wayne Brady, it was a little bit devastating. It's a great episode. So 
I'll, uh, I'll talk to you then. Here's some uh, guitar. and the Fonda cat angels everywhere. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs>